0: Welcome to Teacher Talks. After having such great conversations with innovators and thought leaders in the field of education, we looked around our community for practitioners in the field who joined us to discuss what these themes could look like in actual everyday classrooms, pre-K through 12th grade. Real talk with real teachers. Let's get into it.
1: Okay, we are ready to get started, welcome. We are here today for our teacher talk episode that accompanies our Julie Mountcastle interview. And so excited today to sit down with some fabulous teachers in the Jackson, Mississippi area. Um, We're gonna start and let them introduce themselves before we unpack some of the themes that emerged from our interview with Julie Mountcastle, who is head of Slate School. Um, It makes sense to me that we go maybe in the order of the age level we teach. So I'm looking across the way at, Lee, share your name with the listeners, and then how long you've worked in education and with what age group.
2: Sure. Uh, I'm Lee Krongier. I've been at St. Andrews teaching pre-K-3 for 13 years and been teaching as a whole for about 25 Great. Thank you,
3: Lee. Mm-hmm. And I am Mary McCall MacArthur, and I am a first grade teacher at St. Andrews. This is my third year at this school, but I have taught for nine years in first grade.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I'm just happy to be on uh, the other side of right? the microphone, I guess. Uh, this is Toby Lowe. I have been teaching at St. Andrews for seven years, and I've been in the education biz for about 10, and I teach fifth grade math right now, but I've bounced around a bit.
1: So we have a range from pre-K three to fifth grade to sort of think and reflect on, like I said, the themes that emerged from that interview and how it applies or could apply to the classroom setting. So I hope you all enjoyed listening. It was an incredibly enlightening conversation to have, Toby, I think you would agree, with Julie Mountcastle. Um, One of the things after I listened that really stood out for me was how she talked about, you know, when we asked her, how can we apply some of these things in different school settings that you all do at Slate School, Um, she talked a lot about collaboration with colleagues and peers Um, And one of the things she says is, in any school, you can find your people. So I thought we'd start by just talking about our people. Um, I loved that. And the importance of peer observations in your own growth and collaboration among colleagues and coworkers. So um, did that stand out to you all your people do you have your people
2: 100 oh, percent I loved the find your people she even um, said you know you might be walking by the room and hear them listen to muse- music that might be your jam I mean she just <laughs> she just seemed like a kindred spirit I, I I loved I loved everything that she said but yeah the finding your people it's so it makes learning and teaching and the whole experience so much richer and I definitely have that with my team Um, Mm -hmm. we from the way we plan and collaborate and just stop in the middle of what we're doing and run down the hall and say oh my gosh I just did this and it was unbelievable and when you're teaching three-year-olds actually you can do that it's pretty it's pretty neat so um, I'm blessed Mm -hmm. um, with a pretty pretty cool my people or my team yeah people yeah
3: absolutely I feel the same way my team (laughs) is uh,
2: amazing when I like
3: try to explain it to other people I'm like no no I don't think you understand like they are the epitome of what it looks like to be a team we all work in a google doc and we plan together from our morning messages to what phonics skill we're going to introduce down to like different methods for how we'll introduce this and so it's a very comfortable space. We know we're going to do it weekly. It's just routine. And so even like if, okay, so my favorite part about it, I guess, is, ooh, excuse me, um, how vulnerable I can feel with yeah. my teammates. So we've continued to plan together since day one. Um, but by doing so we really hold each other accountable and so like there's times when we're planning and I'm like oh I'm supposed to be right here whoa I need to step up my pace I'm getting behind <laughs> right. but likewise if I I can use that time to like kind of reflect and go oh wow like my class is behind is it me or maybe do I need to teach this better let's use this time to discuss like your methods it seems your class is really excelling in this sort of subject and like what are your ways for you know teaching this yeah. and we just collaborate anyway so yeah. it's a really nice space and my team is very comfortable <laughs> thank <Yes>. goodness <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I've actually had some uh, crossover with your team yeah, I, I taught first grade right. for a year <laughs> and uh they are in fact a wonderful group of people who yes <laughs> there are some real rock stars on that team <laughs> there are, um, and I enjoyed my time with them as well I'm lucky because the middle school like is like an entire tribe of my people. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, before coronavirus said you can't visit other people's classrooms, I was almost always in somebody else's classrooms during an off period because I just like to see yeah. what other people are doing. And the nice thing about the middle school at St. Andrews is like there's an atmosphere of you're like, yeah, just come on in. I mean, sure. it was really <laughs> spearheaded a couple of years ago where you'd put a pineapple outside your door because it's a symbol of hospitality in some cultures and that was to kind of let people know you don't have to ask in advance just come on in <laughs>
2: so, yeah. and
0: we would call it pineappling and uh yeah and i was lucky too because in my practicum uh i got really used to the idea of other people just always being there to kind of watch and comment on my practice so mm-hmm. that's one of those things where i think i'd probably be a lot more defensive about people coming in and observing if i hadn't been taught from you know the the start that no you should have other people looking at what you do that's That's good. Yes. And I especially love uh, doing cross-discipline visits because, um, you know, back in first grade, you know, you're teaching everything, and I'm sure in pre K three, you're doing everything. But (laughs) you know, after teaching four blocks in a row of math, I'm just ready to see somebody doing something different. (laughs) So I love to go see what the sixth grade history teacher is doing, or go see what the eighth grade science teacher is doing. And I'm just again very lucky to have such generous colleagues that are like, yeah, come look at what's happening
1: yeah yeah the importance of that so the themes i hear today too are like teamwork for planning and collaborating and bouncing off ideas and growth i love that you said mary mccall the vulnerability it takes to like reflect um, with with trusted colleagues, but then also that peer-to-peer observation you're talking about. And I love how Julie even said, you know, asking um, someone to come to give you feedback on your own teaching too. Right. That you can trust and be, that's vulnerable, right? Like, right. come watch my practice, come watch me teach and give me feedback. What did you see as strengths and like areas of growth?
2: But that was fascinating what Toby just said about being, I would probably be more defensive. I, I think we all like, accept that feedback and want it, or you, you should yes. in order to yeah. grow. Um, yeah, vulnerability, That's an, I love that word. I and love that it, word when you're talking about teaching and collaborating. Yes, and it's teaching is hard. It's one of the phrases at the start of this podcast,
1: y'all. Yes. Teaching is hard, <laughs> it's and hard. it's never been harder than in this time of COVID, and so having your people, I just I love that. Um, I mean, she also talked about collaborators, like the greatest collaborators are your students and tons of what she talked about was the student-led. Teaching, I mean, even hearing her day at Slate School, how really her lesson planning, everything is driven by students. So curious about how that looks in these different age groups that we have sort of represented today, like so different in three-year-olds, definitely, 11-year-olds, definitely. <laughs> everything is sort of curiosity driven with the I, I,
2: After I listened to Julie's interview, I thought, I know exactly why Shay wanted me to talk <laughs> and this sounded like a three-year-old typical day. It really and truly did.
1: Yeah. What stood out as like typical three? year old day tell us like in your classroom it's very curiosity driven but I think it applies across grade levels we can learn a lot
2: from those three we we do stop to smell the roses I will definitely say that so where I and you and I have talked a little bit about this shape um I rarely have a three-year-old that comes in wanting to ask a question or that's able to, like, voice what his personal project would Mm, be. But I do have, when I light a spark, every child in my class gets super excited about whatever it is that we're, and we teach in themes, so we're talking about transportation this for the next couple of weeks and we are fired up about every mode of transportation yeah. <laughs> but we can also like I said stop to smell the roses we um, yesterday found a caterpillar outside and we're, doing, we're talking all about transportation, but we had to stop because yes. this Caterpillar was amazing, yes. and then we had to go look up the life cycle of a Caterpillar, yes. and we had to pretend to be Caterpillars, and we had to bust out of the cocoon and fly around the room, and then we had to read the Very Hungry Caterpillar, and then we had to talk about what we would rather eat if we were <laughs> a Caterpillar. So we, so we really, truly do stop and take in their natural curiosity and run yes. all over with it. So I love that. I, and we're, and I'm so lucky because at at three years, three years old, they, they have all that natural curiosity and we have the time to foster it.
1: They do. So. So true. And yeah, I think we even asked her that on the podcast about, you know, do you run into those situations where you have to guide students? They're not used to creating these projects on their own. And I could see, yeah, with the three-year-olds, you would have to provide some context. But when given, like the Caterpillar, I'm sure it could go off in a million different ways. Oh,
2: everywhere. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you see that same spark of curiosity still alive in first grade classrooms? I know you do. I see it. So,
3: yeah. With, you know, the way Julie described things, you know, we don't necessarily have a project that they choose Mm -hmm. each quarter, but we do play into their natural curiosities. And then, like, I was trying to think, where in my scheduled routine day, like what parts do I really like just let them have free reign? But under these like curriculum standards. And so writer's workshop tends to be the most natural place to discover and explore. Uh, Just recently, so our super kids is our like, Language arts curriculum it covers writing and so the most recent writing topic was opinion writing and doing a book review and The task in the curriculum was to review a story that the the curriculum provided mm-hmm. um, But I just knew like they're not gonna go for that. They would give me such mm-hmm. better results if it were something that they were interested yeah. in so Instead, we just went a different route. I said, what's a book that you like or that you don't like? What's that? Give me reasons. And their work quality, I just, I mean, I don't have the results from what would have been, but I just can't help but know that it was far superior to what I would have gotten had I not played into their natural curiosities.
1: So, yeah, that's such a good point. Well, because it's an intrinsic motivation. I mean, that drive is there (laughs) to learn and, and do, and it's their passion, How's that look in fifth grade, Tebby?
0: Yeah, in fifth grade, it's interesting because they're it, a lot of them are more channeled, and they're starting to realize too, like, oh, I need to be kind of careful about what I say out loud in front of my friends, oh, which is a yeah. bummer, right? Like, right. I mean, but it's also middle school, right? You're discovering, like, ooh, I don't, maybe don't want to keep asking about dinosaurs all the time in fifth right. grade, <laughs> but but you know, I love it when they do. They're most interested in like grown-up stuff. So whenever we talk about Obviously, too. Like anytime you're in a math class, you're having kids ask, "When am I going to use this in real life?" I know it. I did that every day of my 11th grade math class. I uh-huh. feel sorry, Peter Tasker. I know you're out there. I wanted to say sorry, but, <laughs> but but I have kids doing the same thing, which is like, "When are we ever going to use this?" and a lot and so they're the most interested in financial math like they desperately want to know how sales tax works and it's so funny to me like how badly they want to know if tax is going to be included and so often we're gonna we just digress or it's just so interesting too like just talking about like well when is a time when you couldn't just buy something all the way like when would you ever need to borrow money for interest or whatever else like these so these we just end up having like 20-minute conversations about you know what are some purchases that you can't make in cash all at once Mm -hmm. or you can't like put on your credit card or whatever (laughs) else like when would you need to talk to a bank and figure out how interest works to make that purchase so we do a lot of things that are just based off of their own questions Mm -hmm. and then let me tell you how to do it another thing too is you know i say to them okay i'm done telling you what your grade is because now we've learned how to do fractions and percentages you can figure it out and just uh-huh. saying, okay, here are the tools. I know you're motivated because a lot of you want to know what your grades are worth. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm done doing that for you. <laughs> here you go. Um, interesting. And so that doesn't always, so that is more like trying to identify what are these kids curious about and what are the tools that I can help give them so that they can get there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, that's just really important is just kind of respecting the questions that they ask Mm -hmm. and and i mean it's obviously you all both are so filled with the respect for the questions your kids have but Mm -hmm. i think the issue is the older you get the more you feel like well we have stuff we have to get through to the point where you know in 11th grade the student themselves knows the student themselves knows like Mm -hmm. i shouldn't ask a question that's going to get us off topic like because if the teacher's not going to get mad at me some of my you know fellow students (laughs) might get (laughs) me we have stuff we have to be getting done Whereas, like, some of the best conversations do arise from a kid being like, so, like, when would I need to use this in real life? Like, when would I ever actually need to write an algebraic expression? And I was like, any time you wanted to be able to utilize data, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, like anytime you need to make a comparison between an amount you don't know and one that you might know that changes by the same amount. And so for the most part, like that's just really exciting. Like today was really exciting because we talked about algebra for like the first time ever. And a lot of them were like, whoa, wait, I don't have to have an equal sign. Like that's mind blowing for a lot of kids in math. I don't have to have an equal sign. Well,
1: and you bring up such a good point, Toby, because I do think as a teacher, you have to give yourself permission to take it the route students questions make and also like at your leadership has to be on board if you are in a setting where you feel like well i have to I have to make sure I get, or I'm ready for the big test. You Mm -hmm. know, luckily we don't have that at St. Andrews that we feel that pressure, but, but many educators do. And so I think even the, what I got from Julie too, was just finding those pockets. Like I love how even Mary McCall, you said when you were kind of thinking on that, you thought of what are the times in my day where I do this? Because we also have those skills we feel that we need to get to, but when we Do it. I mean, I heard like even in the Caterpillar, there's so much research, reading, integration of all kinds of skills that do emerge when you kind of take it that direction. Um, And speaking of Caterpillars, I thought it was interesting learning about Slate School, their use of outdoor learning spaces. I mean, we have our gardens at the Early Childhood Center. Um, a beautiful campus up here on North Campus, too, as well. Just lots of spaces for the outdoors. And COVID has really forced us to rethink learning spaces, too, and get creative with where where we can meet in larger groups and spread out. So curious about what y'all thought about that, too. Has has this time and even listening to Julie's talk, has it um, made you think differently about classroom spaces? Or have you gotten creative in this time of COVID that you might take out of this with new spaces for learning whether it be outdoors or pouring into hallways or
2: i I don't want to say that pre-k3 was ahead of the game on this because we (laughs) didn't anticipate covid probably were that but we actually have always used the hallways and and um outside i think julie said nature is the master teacher and we pretty much have always um spilled outside to just about any in any way that we can um yeah the hallways have always been very integral um the with covid we are not allowed to gather it as a whole pre-k3 mm-hmm. bunch um we have a cohorts our the other partner class that we get to see but i think that's the part that um probably that children miss the most yeah, but yeah um, spilling outside and utilizing those halls we've been many a rainy day brought the scoot bikes in and scoop yes bikes. yeah those um those hallways are extra wide for a reason mm-hmm. so, <laughs> yes, yes. Cool. Um, but yeah the co- covid has slowed down a little bit of um, the larger group. yeah the large group
1: mm-hmm Mm
2: -hmm. We miss each other, too. I know. They can see each other from across the playgrounds, and they're like, look at those friends. We don't know them. (laughs) (laughs) Who are they? Uh, Who are they? New kids? (laughs) Maybe next year. Oh, golly. We'll get them next year.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah,
3: we use our outdoor space and hallway space a lot as well, just being first grade we do a lot of guided reading groups and we've always just trickled into the hallway for a, more, more so for a quiet space. <laughs> um, so that's kind of remained the same and then using the classroom space we've spaced out. Like there's a lot of spacing out and sprawling out but with that comes a lot of like student choice you know like I can lay down in a respectful way you know like <laughs> to myself while still on task but you know like kind of using their their own learning style and then also just using the outdoors you know we're doing verbs let's hop down the sidewalk let's skip mm-hmm. down the sidewalk mm-hmm. um and also the hallways again you know she was talking about measurement and i was like that is in my lesson plan for next week we're doing length and measurement and cool. we're gonna read the statue of liberty book and we're gonna pull out our lincoln cubes and see how long it is down, down the hall, hall down the hall <laughs> yeah like it's just a natural thing mm-hmm. that's yeah it's it's perfect and in St. Andrews I think is like kind of laid out for that learning it's really
1: True. nice yeah the the building design plays yeah. a lot into it like if you have the wide hallways yeah. in an early childhood center with threes fours and fives then right. yeah it, it matters and
2: <laughs> access to outside I have to Right. Point. But, yeah we have every classroom has access to the outside mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. has made such a difference
1: yeah yeah <laughs> any thoughts on that Toby
0: yeah I'm I know that other people on my team definitely take better advantage of it than I do. For us, we go outside as like a reset or as we do like a mindfulness walk. And it's just nice because if you've been working for 25 minutes straight, you really just do need a break. So I use outside time a lot as a punctuation. And we go outside and we do this like guide. It's basically, A mindfulness walk is basically a walking meditation. Like Mm -hmm. You're just concentrating entirely on the present moment you're in and what do you feel and what do you hear and everything kind of like that. But but there are other times, too, where we just go outside and and it's just, you know, using your eyes to notice something for math or even just as a way. I mean, lots of kids just like to work outside, like you said, because they want that choice and they just... And for fifth graders, too, it's like they want to kind of prove that they can handle it. Like, again, they're kind of just trying to tell you that they're ready for more responsibility I mean. in a way that sometimes younger kids don't clock or whatever. But uh, but yeah, so that there's a lot of like, I don't know, can you handle being outside? And a lot of fifth graders desperately want to show that, yeah, I can. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, I'm, I'm on the new campus now, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah, deal. And just, you know, a- another fun thing is obviously using your outside to like, Show work off. So we just finished mm-hmm. making big posters about here's what we've been doing in math. And the kids desperately wanted to put their posters outside so people could see all the hard work they'd been doing. Yeah. Like, should we put our names on this? I said, yeah. How else are people going to know who did what? Yeah, right? <laughs> you absolutely got to put your name on your work.
1: I love it. And that's, yeah, it makes me think of the 19th Amendment project that went down the main hallway of our building. You know, I think. loves that. Yeah, teachers have always been transforming hallways to go in <laughs> themes and projects, but. Right. In the midst of COVID, when our librarian did, we celebrated the 19th Amendment, 100 years of the 19th Amendment, and the fourth grade did those research projects and studied um, a leader that played a role in women's suffrage, and it just spans the whole hallway. And it was, I mean, we had to schedule times that certain grade levels can come through because, you know, there were barcodes for the fourth grade. But when we can't all get together and present something or do a play, recording your presentation and having the barcode that they scan and then grade levels can come through with their iPads and scan it and still hear it. Like we, it was really neat to see how we um, use those spaces and got creative with presentations too this year. Um, Some of which I hope we can carry because through that, it was just exposure to your project with more grade levels um, and, again, like the skills that emerged in that, the tech with the barcodes, you know, all the things, all the skills. When we worry about the what are, are we going to get to everything, really those skills come through when you when you do those big projects. Um, well, I really also it's come through and I think all the conversations we've had with um, the thought leaders in this the series is the theme of community. And of course, you know, we've kind of hit on that today talking here that coming out of this, we're craving it. We even said the students see one another across the playground, <laughs> we're all craving it. And I know one of the things she touched on was her the morning meetings and the afternoon meetings. And she even referenced responsive classroom. And for listeners like we at St. Andrews, we also practice responsive classroom. We love that program. Um, and so I, I couldn't help but bring that up as, as, you know, hearing from you all, what does that look like for the age groups that span in here today for that community building piece? She specifically talked about how it's a good place for the goal setting, that they set their own goals and hold one another accountable. Um, so what about for you all, community building, but also academics in your in your morning meetings? Give us like a little snapshot of morning meetings at the different grade levels, um, because I feel like Julie Mountcastle gave us a snapshot and how she uses it. Um, and curious for threes and for sixes oh. and 11 year olds, what do these, <laughs> these times look like?
2: So we come together every morning and d- discuss what, you know, talk about our theme. And I usually introduce a book where we make a list every day of like words that we want to know more about to do with our theme. So today, we were on transportation through the sky, and they were coming up with words that every form of transportation that is is skyward, um, <laughs> but we wanted to know more about helicopters. So we, and during, during our activity time, after we have our morning meeting, then we have activity time where we created, um, we used geometric shapes to create different modes of transportation that exist in the sky so they tried to make helicopters and they tried to make airplanes and they and they tried to make hot air balloons that was the <laughs> that was the most fun I think that was the biggest hit of all but um, so our morning meeting is a lot about what our theme is what we want to say to each other and they all get a chance to share then we talk about what we want to know what we want to learn and then we go forth yeah. So, and we do that. That is an everyday, every morning when they come in. I liked something that she, she used the word, Julie used the word enticements. Mm. When I like to hope, I hope that in pre K three they have enticements when they come in because before everyone gets there, we have all kinds of free choice. And those, I'm going to start calling those enticements. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yes. and they never know what they're going to see. Uh-huh. And so, anyway, enticements. Sparks that curiosity. Sparks. Yes, yes. 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 Always something different. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, in first grade, our morning meetings look um, very, I guess, textbook as far as responsive classroom goes, uh, very perfectly constructed, I think. We <laughs> sit around in a circle and we, we greet each other by name and we share and do a movement um, yes. filled exercise or activity and then we have a message. Um, my students' favorite part is the share, so much so that we've had to create a sign-up list. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, wow. <laughs> because it's kind of extended um, into like a lengthier part of our day. But again, playing into their natural strengths. And this year, this class is full of sharers. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so but what's been really great about it, I would say, is oftentimes they will be sharing an opinion and what has come up pretty organically is I disagree with that opinion and like we've discussed ways to you know how do you disagree politely what does that look like how does it sound what is your tone so that naturally goes into literature like tone how it sounds but also in math like I got a different answer what does that look like what does it sound like so the way that we have that continuity in our morning meeting has given them just the, I guess, the courage to speak up throughout the day. And uh, it's really been a beautiful thing. So I like that a lot. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's, hey. great. That's great. <laughs> That's
0: great. Yeah, we have, I wish we had the time for morning meetings. And a couple of years ago we did, but obviously we've just, everything's had to change the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... We, ha- we still do have that dedicated community time, but often it's in the afternoon, it's kind of a closure, and we have a wonderful team of teachers who kind of helps us write curriculum for that, and then other times it's just more uh, free reign. And, or they'll have special interest groups. So another way to put choice in is, you know, all the teachers say, well, you know, if you want to do this, come to my room. If you want to do something else, go to this other room. So I'm, I do a read aloud because I really enjoy reading to kids and Mm -hmm. that's something that I loved about teaching at the lower school level. And they
1: still love it in the middle school.
0: Exactly. They They love to be read aloud too. Yeah. So (laughs) that's what I do. And kids can sign up to come to that. And then there's, you know, Pokemon and D and D in somebody else's room, <laughs> oh, so yeah. all the kids can bring their cards. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all their cards in. There's the environmental like activism group, which all works with the science teacher, and they, you know, clean stuff up around campus, and they're also you know, are planting plants and doing a lot of exciting things. So that's one of the things that I love the most. Is just yeah, especially at this age, you know, where you're getting to the point where like you should be running your own meetings now that you're in. Now that you're 11, it's even more of that autonomy. And just one of my favorite things that. I would love to bring back back is something called recess chats, which is just we're gonna talk after coming back from recess in case there were any issues. We're gonna hash <laughs> them out, and yeah. I think I know a lot of uh, fifth graders who could benefit from talking about what happened in the gaga ball pit because
1: <laughs> ball
0: yes because sometimes i mean and that's like what democracy looks like in fifth grade is like i need we need to come up with some rules to make this work better because right now <laughs> it's not working for us and so i just love I, I just love the more ad hoc things that kind of pop up mm, in fifth grade yeah um and i try to do a lot of like community building during class, we have what are called brain breaks and that's when we're just like, okay, we're done learning for now because it's a long time to sit. So now we're gonna play some kind of game and a lot of times those are yeah. kind of um, collaborative and community building. So like we play an improv game called String of Pearls where it's like the old everyone gets one sentence to tell them the story, except the twist on this is you can put your sentence wherever you want. So the last person could suddenly say the end and put it at the very beginning of the story or something. So that's one of my favorite things is seeing which kids naturally try to like fix the story so it makes sense, and which kids <laughs> try to wreck the story right. because sure one you. sentence will say once upon a time there was a a goat named Bob, and then some kid will say then Bob died, and I'm like oh we got to figure this out. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. we're How gonna gonna come back? back. Yeah, the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: awesome.
1: That's awesome. Well, yeah, As so as we kind of come out of this, you know, this very historic and challenging school year, um, the commu- that sense of community and building community and hearing all the ways. You all, just for morning meetings, like I heard collaboration skills or enhanced communication, perspective sharing, conflict resolution in these meetings, advocating for self, and then the free choice and passion topics. I mean, Julie reminded me in that, just the importance of those meetings. I love that she even said she has a start of the day and an end of the day meeting. So, after recess or whenever, having those times to pause and come together as a community and talk about some of these things as a classroom community, so important. Well, As we close out, any other takeaways? I I was really drawn to her day in the life of a second grader as well. And just so intrigued with the school and how those ideas could apply. Um, What else stood out to y'all? Especially when you think of the day in the life of those students at Slate School.
2: Um, Something that jumped out with me was that extra transparent, she said uh, over and over again, they have to be extra transparent. They're not sending worksheets home. They're not sending spelling tests home. They have to tell parents because when children Get in the car that afternoon. They say we played, or it was just a regular day. Don't your
1: like my my child says that to me. Nothing. I, it was fine. When
2: when, yeah, when I hear three year olds say that, it makes me want to cry. We did so much <laughs> stuff today. You learned so many amazing things. Yeah. So that was that was the I think what we have struggled with and one plug that I have to Seesaw has changed a lot of the way yeah, we that's come up in
1: another teacher chat seesaw I cannot
2: yep. I can't say enough about how user-friendly it has been and how parents really feel like they are getting a snapshot of our day 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 in day out um, yes. so that's been we've had to learn how to be extra transparent we're not sending worksheets home we're not doing worksheets we don't you know that's yeah. not the way we we work so this Seesaw has helped us a lot. A snapshot in, in the yeah, yeah, so then they can have those meaningful conversations. I saw you planted seeds today, and then little Johnny doesn't get to say he just played because <laughs> his, his parents, parents know that. he planted seeds. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that really stood, stood out with me. Yeah,
1: Yeah,
3: Aww. that's really sweet. Um, one of the big things that took that I took away from it was the I, I made a note. Oh, she said that they do goals and commitments. Mm-hmm. Yes. And my favorite part to that was how the students responded with "Awesome, we'll hold you to it." Yeah. Like. I- hold each other accountable so I actually listened to the podcast and tried it this morning oh, the goals and commitments. Yes. and so awesome. I'm like they came up with some really good ones and so throughout the day they were like well Miss MacArthur what is your goal and commitment I said, <laughs> you want to know what it is holding you to your goals and <laughs> and, but it was fun I said so did you practice running faster at recess did you read one kid said he wanted to read 38 books this week and I wow. said, how many did you read? Okay, so how many more do you need to read <laughs> in order to reach your goal? That's so, great. Anyway, I, I'm excited that this was our kind of first step and mm-hmm. looking forward to maybe how it can transform into maybe more <laughs> approachable and reachable goals. Yeah. Um, you great. know, <laughs> Yeah, I think that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. So, and but what a way to we'll learn about We'll hold you
1: to it. We'll hold you to it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's <laughs> good.
0: I just keep coming back to her piece on like so this kind of goes with what Lee was saying but the transparency and then just kind of educating parents about like here's our deal you know you just need to know that's what's happening here right it's like we're being super intentional but your kids kind of calling a lot of the shots yeah. and don't worry we're gonna get to all these content goals but it, the, the map of the learning is going to be kind of a squiggle. It's not going to be. As, and of course, uh, you know, the map of students learning is never a straight line anyway, but it's going to especially be like, yeah, well, we, we spent all day today talking about caterpillars, but trust me, that was all for the best.
2: <laughs> we're going to get there. Yeah. And
0: just really just asking for that trust and yeah. just saying, Hey, here's our deal. You know, here's everything we're doing. You can see it, but we need that from you.
1: Yes. Yes, because we are, you know, we believe here that we are teaching students how to learn, not, you know, what to learn, being independent learners. And when they, when we, I think, you know, really foster that intrinsic curiosity, we instill a passion for learning, too, making learning fun. So they go on to the middle school, onto the upper <laughs> school, and they have that drive to ask themselves a question and go dive into it, go learn and explore topics of interest so this was amazing thank you to our classroom teachers you all have had long days already in the classroom (laughs) and then you came here and unpacked the Julie Mountcastle episode with us and our hope is that listeners can hear um the themes that emerged from real teachers in real classrooms and just learn ways to apply some of those ideas in their own classrooms so thank you Lee Mary McCall and Toby for your insight this was a lot of fun thank you guys yeah thanks great yeah (laughs) all right